there's another comment too is like, well, my tax bracket's going to go lower. And then if you really want to have a good holiday party and you really want to start a conversation, start asking people maybe where do you think tax brackets are going to go in the future? And then just put a little gas on that fire. Just be like, how does everyone in this room feel about the United States debt load? And then have that conversation. Because if you then think about that, right, and I'm not agreeing one way or the other, but let's just say that you agree with that. Most people will then say, well, we need to pay down our debt. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to increase taxes. Well, how are you going to increase taxes? Well, you might just change tax brackets. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. This podcast is intended for free thinkers, entrepreneurs, and knowledge seekers. Join us as we discuss relevant financial topics, explore with guests their financial journeys, and engage with experts in industries such as space, media and entertainment, real estate, and many more. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to Critical Thinking Required. You're with your host, myself, Tim Bickmore, and my colleague, Dan Weiss. And today we're being a little festive as we go into the December month. We've got a lot of holidays coming up. And so we wanted to make sure that we were celebrating that. Dan is obviously a little bit more festive than I today, but he's representing a lot of holidays all at once, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> sure I am today, Tim. And so with this holiday episode, I guess, we wanted to give the gift of talking about Roth conversions. And what does that mean? And should you do it? And shouldn't you do it? And just some basics behind that concept. And as a little bit of a sprinkle, or maybe the bow to tie it together is doing backdoor Roth strategies, mm -hmm. which we can also hit on and discuss. So Dan, lead us into our conversation today. It's a timely one. And the reason why we bring this up is because if a person wants to consider doing a Roth conversion, um, the time to consider that is right now. Uh, you, you have to have that done by the end of the year, but uh, December 30th or 31st doesn't really get you that far because you have to consider processing time that would be required to actually do such a thing. And by the way, actually, we should probably step back and explain how that process even works to begin with, which I think will make a lot more sense of that statement. But when you look to convert or do a Roth conversion, it means that you have a pre-taxed or traditional qualified assets, whether it be in like a 401k or 403b or an IRA, and you are paying taxes on that today, instead of waiting, that's the idea with deferring those accounts so that you can get them then into a vehicle that is going to be tax-free going forward. That's what that is. So it is a step of um, you know, it's not, I guess it's not as fancy as it sounds, right? It's a step of just paying taxes on pre-taxed items to make them become after-taxed assets. Absolutely. I mean, and when it comes to Roth conversions, there's a lot of things to think about. I guess to kind of go very high level, uh, typically what we hear, um, why people will contribute to a traditional IRA, for example, over their lifetime is that uh, I think the, like, I want to call it a myth, but the most common comment is, my tax rate will be lower in retirement. Yeah. And Dan and I's question always is like, why? Where will you be at? Is that true? Is it not? So that's usually something that's very big because what happens is if someone is successful and they continue to build up their net worth and they get to a point to be able to replace their income from an IRA account, what they're making now, all that money coming out will be considered income, which means that you probably won't be in a lower tax bracket. 
So you have to make sure that you have a tax diversification strategy or something that's going in or just start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. That's where Roth conversions can be very powerful to start really shifting over what would be considered your RMD or required minimum distribution. That's right. So an RMD starts today at 72. They've delayed that. It used to be 70 and a half. Now it is at the age of 72. The government requires you to take money out of that account, which means any money coming out of an IRA is going to be taxable income. Now, there's some strategies behind that, which maybe we can get into later this month, which is called qualified charitable distributions, where you could give your RMDs to a charity, which could also be a strategy as well. Um, but mostly people are going to take that and take that as income. So how can we make sure we can reduce that up strategy could be Roth conversions, where you convert that money today in from an IRA into a Roth account, which then allows it to grow tax-free. And what it also allows you to do is there, as of now, there are no required minimum distributions for Roths. Now, what's, I say that with a hesitation because I believe it was the second term of the Obama administration they did try to propose RMDs on Roth accounts specifically, which would hinder that strategy a little bit. Um, it would definitely have to rethink a few things in, if that were to be the case. And the government always can change the rules on those specific accounts. And the SECURE Act in 2020 also made that a little bit different because you now have to, off of an inherited asset, qualified asset like an IRA or a Roth IRA, you now have 10 years to take that money. Um, before, it was tied to a life expectancy and it, could, it would be bled out perhaps into the perpetuity of someone's life. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's just 10 years. The, the nice part about that is you don't have to take any money off of an account like that until year 10. But year 10 comes around, it's got to be gone. So uh, something to also consider when you're doing these conversions is it even though your ears, if there's money left over, will still have to take the money, they won't have to pay taxes on it if it's a Roth compared to being forced to pay in taxes if it's an inherited IRA. Yes. And that is something too, to take a next step when looking at Roth conversions is what are you doing it for? Do you need to take that money? Can you let that money be? Do you have enough money or other income streams to support it, right? Because then we can start looking at is the next generation and then how is that going to affect them? So to give a very simple example, if we're working with a client who is well off and necessarily need their RMDs to live because they have other income sources or other assets to be able to support themselves in retirement, and they then have heirs where they are um, lucky enough to maybe be, let's say, a school teacher mm. because they are supported by the generational wealth. It may make sense to maybe pass an IRA to them because you can get it into a lower tax bracket at the point of death, right? So it's kind of taking that next step and that next level of what is the purpose and why. But if you have the exact opposite and that child maybe is a tech entrepreneur and has done really well, that Roth account could actually be a lot more powerful because then it doesn't force them to have to take income when they don't necessarily need it. So it is very situational. It's very much looking at the family and also the purpose of the funds and why you should be doing it. And then looking at it a couple steps ahead to make sure that it does make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense for everyone. Um, and it should be looked in, uh, again, from an individual perspective. So if you hear your neighbor or at Thanksgiving, which already happened, maybe you did, or if you go to Christmas parties and people start talking about how they're doing Roth conversions, make sure you just talk to someone about it first because it may not apply to you like it applies to them. It just depends on the situation.
common holiday talk, but it does happen from time to time. Um, common. common Super the, common right. talking about Roth conversions. In fact, I guess when those holidays kind of get a little bit rough, drop the Roth, fixes everything. <laughs> um, but, you know, going Same back stores. to something that Tim said, that I, I think we see all the time is, you know, we work with a lot of young individuals. We like to say that because a lot of them are like our age. So young individuals, <laughs> right? Keep us young. Um, where they'll make the comment like Tim made, like, well, I'm going to, I'm in a situation where I've worked hard and I'm a high income earner and I hope that it's always that way. We hope it's always that way too. And so they think that their brackets are going to only go up. Well, uh, that might be true. And we hope again, we actually hope it's true. Right. So, but eventually what's going to happen um, is, or what happens, I should say, is that you forget that even if your brackets are that high. And if you are a high income earner, they probably aren't going down later because what's going to happen is you're going to run out of what's called qualified accounts. These are your 401ks and your your IRAs and so on for you to defer money or deflect taxation. You run out because those have limits of how much you could put away. And then you come to us, which happens on a daily basis and say, what do you do with this money? And what ends up happening is it gets funneled into other assets that don't have the same tax benefits that sometimes produce income that gets taxed. And either way, at some point, indeed, don't have those shelters and will indeed cause taxation later on in life. And therefore, those brackets, they don't drop. And even if they do drop, if you are 35 years old and crushing out the income, and you probably think you're going to work for 20 plus more years, and you can't touch these accounts until you're 59 and a half without penalty. And if you can afford to not touch it, you know, until even later, excellent. You, we're talking 20, 30, 40, maybe generational years that you're talking about tax-free growth. And that piece right there, it just doesn't get spoken about. Everyone thinks about, oh, my tax rates. Well, even if they're higher, uh, likely... I'm going to take the option where I don't have to pay tax on it, on the growth for 50 years. Yeah. Seems like it probably is going to weigh out. But again, like Tim said, I think it's something that has to be churned, churned over in a person's mind and modeled out to see if it makes sense. But that's the argument that that a lot of times we, the, the healthy debate that we get into when someone's like, well, I'm in a high tax bracket. Well, I mean, a, and a good point too is talking about taxes. Uh, another comment too is like, well, my tax bracket's going to go lower. And then if you really want to have a good holiday party and you really want to start a conversation, start asking people maybe where do you think tax brackets are going to go in the future? And then just put a little gas on that fire. Just be like, how does everyone in this room feel about the United States debt load? And then have that conversation. Because if you then think about that, right, and I'm not agreeing one way or the other, but let's just say that you agree with that. Most people will then say, well, we need to pay down our debt. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to increase taxes. Well, how are you going to increase taxes? Well, you might just change the tax brackets. There's also arguments that we're in the lowest tax bracket from a historical perspective than the United States has ever been in. So people feel like there's only room to go up in taxation. The reason why I bring this up is not necessarily to say, again, one way or another where I think tax rates are going to go. But the question is, you have to then take into anticipation where taxation will be in in the future, which means your brackets could go up. So if you were lucky enough to sign a contract with the government to say, hey, you know what? I want a Roth account. I don't want the IRA account. Then that eliminates a little bit of that potential to go up because most people would argue, maybe some wouldn't, that taxes won't come 
down. Brackets won't come down. They're only probably going to go up. Again, that's a probability game. You don't know. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but it's something then to think about. And on top of that, what is really, really interesting is then someone could argue as well saying, well, what about Tim, if we change from an income taxation to a consumption taxation, meaning that we're going to increase our sales tax. So then again, a Roth IRA would then be kind of taxed. So you could really go down this big argument of taxes where you think you're going to be in all this stuff. There's a big convoluted area. And the reason why I bring this all up is to say that it's very hard to know. Mm -hmm. And nobody has a right answer and no one has a wrong answer necessarily, but it's more so of where do you feel the probabilities lie and then making those decisions based off of those probabilities because there is variable things that people just will not know. And research has been done about this where then they'll say, just diversify because it's too hard to figure out which one is really going to outcompete the other. And that's really where it kind of comes down to because I think when people can get down to the research and the actual information, what they will say is you can very much overfund a traditional account, meaning like traditional 401k, not a Roth. You can overfund that and create taxation that isn't needed. So at the very least, it needs to be a conversation for someone's individual situation to say, does it or does it not make sense? The last thing I'll also bring up is when you do do Roth conversions, you have to really think about when you execute on that, you cannot withhold taxes, which means you have to pay it outside of your own dollars. Now, I say that if you are below the age of 59 and a half, if you're above that, you can take taxes out, no problem. But if you're below 59 and a half, the government will consider that withholding as a taxable distribution and you'll get penalized, which means that if you 10%. create that, yep, 10%. So if you create additional taxes, right, or uh, convert and you're going to and you're going to do it lower than that. You need to have funds to be able to support the additional taxes that you create. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you have a brokerage account and you're to sell securities from that. You may create taxation because you may only have capital gains. That's something all there that you also need to think about and take into consideration. And then what is the most opportune way about going through those conversions? Dan and I are never like, hey, convert all of your account to a Roth right now. No, it's strategically doing it over time and slowly to make sure you can optimize those tax brackets and making sure you're also optimizing from a tax perspective in multiple different accounts. So that's why. I'm so glad you said that because what we'll see then too is a number of our clients will do a conversion, partial conversion, like Tim was saying, in one year and then the next year not mm -hmm. because we'll want to then free up perhaps funds elsewhere so that we can pay the the taxes on on that conversion the year before and then alternate years mm -hmm. is something that we we will often see um in play right and well and i dance actually brings us up all the time when we're working with clients and we see big cash amounts right and maybe they aren't quite sure what they want to do with this cash because maybe they're doing a remodel on their home or maybe they are looking to do a bigger investment and dan always talks about it as well it's like hey can we use that cash to actually do conversions and does that make sense mm -hmm. so that could also be part of your cash play as well saying like i have too much cash on hand but what it'll allow me to do is maybe do my conversions and pay for those taxes instead of disrupting my other investments yeah. So that is also something that we we like to take into consideration and that we think people should take into consideration when looking at doing this type of a strategy. It's especially attractive to think about it when we have markets or when your portfolio specifically has years that you just don't love, which is going to happen. That's 
that it, it's never a straight line up anywhere in life. So uh, in situations where you might be down in an account might be a an opportune time to actually take take advantage of this conversion because the amount you're converting is less. Mm -hmm. And then therefore your taxation is also going to be less. Tim also mentioned, I just want to highlight that again, you don't need to, and probably shouldn't in most cases, convert the entire amount because once you do that, that is going to be considered income. So it instead it, it makes sense to slow it down a second, take a look at at your returns and figure out where your lowest brackets are and maybe just fill up to some of those lower brackets, not have to pay any taxation you don't need to pay. Yeah. Um, yep. And again, I agree. It's filling up those brackets, a filling up bracket strategy um, in different ways, because that also will then potentially affect capital gains yeah. that you may or may not create um, if you were in the event to sell that. So there's, it is pretty dynamic and it's, but it can be very powerful um, and it really, I think it was early 2000s is when they allowed for conversions of any amount without any income restrictions. Um, I think that was during the Bush administration where they really allowed this to kind of be open field. Uh, and a lot of people can take advantage of it. Um, but it also means that you, it's not something that's just straightforward. It's something that you need to have a conversation with a professional about. Also tying in your CPA and accountant to be like, okay, should we? And I do agree with Dan, as markets are depressed, you can actually convert more, right? And what's nice is typically you can then convert those. And if you're holding positions, you can convert them and keep them in kind, mm -hmm. meaning you don't need to sell out of your positions. You're essentially just moving from one account to another account. So that's also nice because then if those securities then come back, they're going to grow back up and you're going to actually take advantage of that. And you don't disrupt the account because you can't pay taxes out of it. If you're again, younger than 59 and a half above that, you can do that if you so choose uh, just depends on uh, the scenario. A couple other things to kind of consider be before you really make these decisions. One of which is, does your 401k uh, plan allow for in 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 plan conversions mm -hmm. and some do and some yeah. do not yep. so something for you to look into uh and then if you're looking at doing backdoor Roth contributions which is basically just mini conversions mm -hmm. um is what that is right you're converting your IRA contribution if for example you're under the age of 50 is $6000 this year seven if you're above you're making that contribution to a traditional IRA and then you're converting it, depending on, there's some debate on this, which your CPA says immediately or shortly after, and therefore then not seeing the gain and, you know, getting it into a Roth is something you can do, but it's not that straightforward. Uh, another reason to consider Roth conversions is because if you do have IRA funds and you make those backdoor contributions, you are then likely violating the aggregation rule which is going to create unnecessary taxation. So we typically will tell people not to make backdoor contributions until their IRA assets have been converted or in a sense moved in a fashion where they're not pre-tax IRA situations and then start making those backdoor contributions. Something else to consider. Also, um, we, we often would would see like to see someone fill up their qualified accounts. Because again, going back to, hey, what else do I do with my money? Great problem to have. Uh, we like to look there, but keep in mind when we're talking about using cash 
for conversions or making qualified contributions. There are other things to consider from, from a, an optimization long-term standpoint. These are really should be priorities to be looked at. But let's also keep in mind too, that this does indeed can mean that a person is over-concentrated in the area. It can create liquidity issues mm -hmm. right now. It may actually uh, be a burden from other cash flow needs. So not a slam dunk every single time, but well worth looking at. Yeah, that's a, I love the end of that actually. And that is, Dan brings up a strong point that you have to look at this holistically. We're talking about a single strategy. And I think that is one of the bigger mistakes that we can make from a planning perspective is isolating a strategy, thinking it's really good specifically, and then missing the forest through the trees and not looking at the totality of the plan and saying, okay, does this fit for everything we're trying to do, which Dan just hit with liquidity needs, short-term, medium-term, long-term. So there's a lot to think about before you do it. And you really should just consult a professional and ask, hey, is this something that makes sense for me specifically? And walking through all of those mm -hmm. uh, different um, situations, because you could get yourself in a position where it doesn't make sense to do in a lot of in a lot of ways. So yeah. I do agree with that. Any closing thoughts, my friend? Oh, closing thoughts. Um, yeah, I think like the closing thoughts when it comes to the Roth conversion is that it's it there. If anyone comes out and says that it is the way or it isn't the way, um, they're probably wrong because it, it depends on the situation, it depends on the person, and it's just a strategy that can be effective given the right uh, scenarios. And I think that you also have to think, people ask us all the time, well, you know, what's going to outcompete? an IRA or a Roth and what am I taxed at? And you can do a lot of modeling. You can do a lot of, you know, number crunching and, and figuring it all that out. But at the end of the day, when people have done this, they've actually researched this specific question. It's not that clear cut because there's a potential change in taxation from both income to consumption. Like I brought up, do tax rates go up? Do tax rates come down? What is your, what does your situation look at look like when you need to take those RMDs? Do you need it? Do you not need it? Um, it's really hard because all of those are very variable, which means that you really have to make a decision based off probabilities and what you feel most comfortable with, mm -hmm. right? It isn't a necessarily a direct right answer. Um, and you may not know if it was a right answer until things play out. So you have to be aware of that. It's not that clear cut. So if people say like, oh, you always have to do Roth conversions, I would say why? And if people say never do Roth conversions, I would say why? Um, that's really would be my, my biggest final thought. Same with backdoors as well. Backdoor mm -hmm. Roth conversions as well. Same thing. So that one's a little bit more simple, um, but bigger Roth conversions is a little bit more complicated. And also to reemphasize to the talking to a 401k to see if they're in plan conversions, also a really good idea, um, uh, to think about if, if your plan does allow that. And please too, if you do doing backdoor Roth, uh, IRAs, this is my last one for my public service announcement. Please ask whoever you're working with about the aggregation rule and if it does apply to you and if it still makes sense. Um, and there's different ways to go about that uh, doing things, but a lot of people just aren't don't uh, are not aware of it. Um, so it's nice to just make sure that you ask. And um, if the professional doesn't know about it, then just make sure you ask someone who does. Yeah, let's <laughs> say about that. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to jump on the same bandwagon. Don't judge a book by its cover. It may look like it makes sense. You also may not think it looks sense. Both scenarios probably deserve a little bit more digging. So with that being said, 
Tim, myself, and the entire team. We'll see you before the end of the year, but uh, hope you enjoy your, your holidays. And we also hope that we gave you plenty of exciting topics to discuss around the table over the next couple of weeks. With that, thanks for tuning in and have a great day. Like and subscribe. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry to determine which investments, broker-dealer or custodian may be appropriate for you Consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.